0: Welcome to the Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. I wanted to welcome you to today's edition of the Daily Sales Show. This is a topic that's really near and dear to my heart, and I know to Brandon's as well. And if you're here, you're probably on the job hunt, um, maybe out in the open, maybe a little bit more covertly, but we know how difficult this process can be. And so we wanted to dedicate a full show to prospecting techniques to help you land the sales job that you want. Um, Brandon has been through this process a few times recently, and he shares incredible content about it on LinkedIn. So a must follow um, when we're done with the show, but really excited to dive in. And as you're coming into the room, um, please be sure to let us know in the chat where you're tuning in from. Um, We're just chatting. Brandon's in Tallahassee, which is where I actually went to college and I am in Miami currently, so would love to know where everyone is. Got Little Rock, Minnesota, Austin.
1: I feel like Minnesota's been popping lately. I, I got a lot of like prospective buyers in that Minnesota Midwest area. There we go, yeah. Nebraska. All right, Midwest represent.
0: Nice. I'm seeing Montana more and more often too. I talked to somebody today who's like moving up. Oh, there. wow.
1: Yeah, I, um, big skies on my bucket list. I yeah. always look at the pictures and I'm like, I got to get over there.
0: Yeah, it looks absolutely gorgeous. Well, okay, we got a few Canada's as well.
1: Amazing. All right, Canada represent.
0: (laughs) Thank you all so much for being here. Um, If you are in the sales space, if you're at all active on LinkedIn, if you are at all job hunting, you've probably come across Brandon's content before. He really does have one of the strongest accounts, I would say, on LinkedIn for sharing content about finding new jobs. Effectively prospecting diversity and inclusion in the workplace, all sorts of incredible things. So, Brandon is a senior account executive at Matheson, and he has, as I mentioned before, quite a bit of experience in this process of job hunting, trying to land um, new roles, getting promoted from SDR to AE um, between companies, which is no easy feat. Uh, Brandon, why are you so passionate about this topic?
1: Yeah. Basically, because I feel like I have lived the experience that so many, not only just sellers, but just people in the workplace in, and in tech in general have experienced the past year or two, you feel like you're up for a promotion coming soon, you grind, and you grind, and you've done one-on-ones with C-suite, etc. cetera, and the next thing you know, all of your computer tech, your email, all of that shut down the next day. And that happened to me twice this year. So I totally get when people feel defeated, when people, you know, have lost morale, when sometimes you need to take a couple of weeks and just debrief and really like connect with your family to make sure that your mental health is in check. Um, that's definitely something that I had to do. So the reason why I am, you know, very... Uh, I feel like this is very purposeful is because I feel like right now, like the market is tough and I feel like a lot of folks need, you know, a couple different tips and tricks to really stand out. And I would love to share some things that have worked on my end for me and hopefully it'll be helpful for, um, some folks out here today.
0: Yeah. uh, I mean, I appreciate you sharing that. And I know it is going to be incredibly helpful. It's like, I I feel like just like almost everything else in this life, this process is a little bit of a game. And so having to stand out from so many thousands of qualified applicants, there are certain things that you can do to really increase your chances. So everyone who's here, you're already on the right track. Um, Can't wait to dive into the show. But first, just want to chat just a little bit more about Sell Better and how we can help you. If you're here trying to land a sales role, you're probably also looking to up your sales game, learn more skills. Um, We have shows every single day with a range of leaders in the sales space, chatting about everything from cold calling, cold emailing, AI, job applying, as we're talking about now. So go ahead and scan that QR code on the screen or go to sellbetter.xyz to see the shows that we have coming up. Um, We also have a YouTube channel with a lot of on-demand content, really some shorter, more actionable content that you can You know, if you have a 15 minute break and want to learn something new, I would recommend checking that out as well. Um, Super special thank you to our partner, J.B. Sales, for making this show possible. Really appreciate all the support and allowing us to continue to produce these shows. Um, For our drop of the day, check out the Sell Better hotline in the chat. If you were looking to get started creating content on LinkedIn, which is definitely something we're going to recommend in this show, the Sell Better hotline will help you do just that. So it's a 30 day program. The sell better team will help give you prompts, help you make videos, help you basically get 30 days of amazing content to share to kickstart your journey. So definitely something worth checking out. All right. As we jump into today's agenda, would love to just hear who is in the room today. Um, Are you an SDR? Are you an AE or also what kind of role are you looking for? That'll kind of help us tailor the conversation, make sure we're talking about all the right things. Um, As you're doing that, the three main portions of our show today are going to be the first one. We're going to chat about why it's so important to be intentional about the job hunt, why you shouldn't just go easy apply on LinkedIn to 100 different jobs and kind of hope for the best. Um, And we're going to talk about the better way to approach it. Next, we're going to chat about how to get your application to stand out from the rest. So I've seen job postings recently where one role gets 6,000 applicants. Like, how do you stand out from those 5,999 other people? We're going to chat through some actionable strategies for that. And then finally, we're going to talk about how to make you yourself a top contender during interviews, because getting your application is in is only half the battle. You sometimes have to go through long, grueling interview processes, and there are some really important tips we can chat through to set yourself apart. So just to kick us off, Brandon, why is it not a good idea if you're looking for a job to just go on LinkedIn and easy apply to the first hundred roles that match your qualifications?
1: Yeah, great question. Well, First, to your alluded point, some of these roles have 6,500 applicants. I mean, I'm not a statistics major, but, you know, trying to be that outlier in front of that big of a sample size is going to be a tough out, even if you are that 99 percentile. Um, You have to look at it from recruiter and hiring managers perspectives. They're gonna probably spend ten to fifteen seconds scanning your resume, so they're they're gonna really be looking for probably some key skills and maybe some standalone um, experiences, and then they're probably gonna move on to the to the next applicant. So, if if your goal is to really get an interview and it's really being interested in this company, you have to move the needle in some ways where those 6,499 applicants aren't going to do. You have to think like how everyone else is thinking and then kind of like invert it. So everyone is thinking it's a volume game, right? Let me just send out 75 applicants. If five of them wind up being interviews, like I'm good. And I totally get that strategy. I think with the market right now, hiring managers and recruiters are aware of that. And so you're actually giving them more leverage with that because they now are going to spend less time looking at specific resumes and they're going to actually probably hear referrals out even more than they did before because they don't want to spend all the time and effort looking at all these applicants either. If they can find someone in their network, a close friend of them to say, hey, Sydney is a great candidate. She has so much awesome, like AE experience, like go and check her out. They're probably nine times out of 10, just going to go ahead and hear Sydney out versus looking at those thousands of applicants. So how can you get referrals? How can you go ahead and talk to those hiring managers and kind of get in kind of a Disney fast pass, if you will, we're both from yep. Florida. So we get that reference. Um, that's going to be the key.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And this is actually something we were chatting about just before the show started in the context of buyers. But also you think about recruiters. There are people, too. They get overwhelmed, too. You think a recruiter receiving 6,000 applications isn't going to be completely overwhelmed by that. Your goal is to make it as easy as possible for them to see yours and be like, yes, we want to talk to that person because they already have enough work on their plate. So if you're doing what everybody else isn't willing to do, you're putting in that extra work and going above and beyond it gets you through that initial stage of like being one of many, 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 many applications and to like, there's only a few people who did this much. Let's kind of put them through. So yeah, I would love to chat a little bit more about um, another another big part of your journey, which is transferring from an SDR role into landing an AE role at a new company. Um, I know something that a lot of people struggle with is wanting to apply for jobs, but not feeling like they're particularly qualified or not really knowing how to Explain their qualifications in that process. So, if somebody's looking to land a role, but they're a little bit nervous that their qualifications wouldn't quite stack up, how would you go about approaching that in this initial application process?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of in and you, first of all, your emotions are validated. Like, I was also nervous, you know, after getting uh, let go with um, Sendoso this January, I knew I had the skills based on like you know being with both one-on-ones with my AE seeing a lot of the ops that I you know helped create go all the way to close and getting a lot of that experience so I knew I had the skills and experience it's just how could I show that versus just like saying it and it, it was it. it's definitely nerve-wracking to like put yourself out there I think the key is to first of all get ahead of the objection. So the recruiter hire manager, they like they looked at your resume, they looked at your LinkedIn. Like there was no secret that I had about 16 months as Indosa at SDR. Nowhere on there you're gonna see account executive, right? They they see that there's no reason to like pretend it's not there. So in a lot of those interviews, I just call it out. I'm like, hey, I'm. you're right. I haven't been a account executive before. Um, if that's, you know, however, like I've been able to set up um, mutual account plans. I've been able to, uh, you know, loop, uh, send my AE some points of contact to multi-thread in the deal to get other stakeholders involved. I've been through the procurement process and understand uh, line items and redlining and stuff like that. So if you can start speaking the language on what is what entails an account executive. Not only that, but if you can show like screenshots of account planning, like in your like in Salesforce or HubSpot. If you can show some multi-thread frameworks, like for when a deal gets stuck. If you can show, if you can literally show, like in the company that you're buying for, for example, with Matheson. What I did was after I talked with the VP of sales, I talked on LinkedIn with the VP of marketing. I talked with the CEO product leader. I started multi-threading in the company that I wanted to be a part of because no one else, like maybe one, two other applicants are going to do that but most other people aren't going to spend the time and effort to do it. So show that you really want this job and you really feel like you're a culture add and a value add to them. And that'll definitely stand out. That'll really drive a great impression.
0: Love that. Yeah, that's something I experienced as well, jumping from an SDR role to an AE role. And the approach of getting ahead of the objection was super important, you know, like you can't deny the facts. Um, But if you just get ahead of it and say, listen, I understand that your current expectation is to have one year of AE experience. I also am well aware that I don't have that. Here's why I think I would still be a really strong candidate. And in that regard, I. I'm, and I know you are too, a really strong advocate for getting ahead in owning your own education as well. So you don't need to wait for somebody to give you that AE title. For example, if you're trying to get that promotion for you to learn AE skills, there's so many incredible platforms out there where you can learn all this knowledge. And if you can show, yes, I haven't been given a chance to do this role yet, but here's XYZ skill that I think would be really relevant. That's going to help a lot.
1: Absolutely. And honestly, uh, LinkedIn University, go ahead and start following a lot of people that are smarter than me, uh, sitting before we talked, we talked about, uh, Brian LaMotta and, uh, he, you know, he's about to hit peak club. Um, uh, Vin from six cents, you know, is showing week over week, like his path, the peat club, some strategy, stuff like that. There's plenty of guys that are, um, that are doing it day after day, as far as AE goes, if that's the path that you choose, that are sharing free tips that you don't have to buy a $199 course. So you just have to like, um, find the right people. You know, I, I definitely share my own experiences as a new AE as well, but there are some folks, if you feel like are more credible, cause they do have a, more, a couple more years under their belt, uh, no hard feelings. I definitely recommend like some other people as well
0: love it all right so i think we probably have a lot of people in this room who maybe are you know already starting their application process or maybe haven't quite started yet how do you because i know you've done this recently like you are in a spot where you need or want to get a new role like what are those next steps how many companies do you look at how do you narrow them down how do you approach that initial outreach process i want to give people kind of a framework to walk away from this call with of What should I do next to figure out the rest of my job hunt?
1: So we talked about it before we went live. uh, We both get dozens of DMs a day asking, how do I go from SDR to AE? How do I show that I'm ready for the promotion? I just got let go like as an SDR, but I'm ready to go to AE like you did. Like, how do I do that? Honestly, usually the first question that I ask people is like, what are your priorities for your career? And like, what do you value? Cause some people, they, like the title is really important to them. Some people want like the learning experience. Some people want to use this as stepping stone to marketing or to customer success or whatever. And then uh, some people care about culture. That's number one of their priority. Some people think career development's number one. Some people, autonomy, like being able to kind of do your own thing, like uh, A-B test, those kind of things. So it really depends on what's important to you, like what is your priorities when you wake up in the morning, like what's going to get you excited to like open up that laptop and get going? Because that's going to look different for everyone. So I feel like getting that down first, um, shout out to Amy Volos. I actually used her free job scorecard. Um, she has like a, there's a lot of different, um, questions on there that really helped with my reflection and really helped with my clarity on what I want in, in the next job. And they really helped me narrow down on um, those companies. But to answer your question, Cindy, I would say I, I never try to interview more than five companies at a time. What? Um, one for my own mental health, I wouldn't be able to spend the right amount of time and research and, into to like focus on specific people and things like that. Uh, I wouldn't have the bandwidth to do more than five. And honestly, really this past time I wasn't doing more than three. So that means like, I'm like, I'm hyper focused on the specific companies and I do I have a pretty strict like vetting process with companies um and that just works for me but i know some people maybe can handle a little bit more but for me it would be like three to five companies and after that like after the first interview like based on my questions i get a pretty good vibe if i want to continue the interview process or not because you got to remember this is mutual like a lot of people think like oh great i'm on the second round you know, that's a good signal. And it's like, no, like I have, I've declined, like I can't even count how many I've declined to like, continue on to like a second interview. Like it's not worth my time. If I feel like their priorities aren't aligned with mine and that's okay. Like, it's not going to be like that for every company. So really make sure that you're interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing you and make sure like, you're not you're not overwhelming yourself trying to interview with like 12 companies at a time. Cause you're just not going to be able to remember names. You're not going to be able to remember like their current strategies, things like that, that are going to be important for you to stand out anyways.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So you've gone through this process. You found five, maybe six companies that really align with the values you have with the progression you want. Um, let's say like the first company you go with company a, like, you see their job opening on the website or on LinkedIn. What are the actual steps you take to get your application in to maybe get a referral to like, like walk us through step-by-step step what that would look like.
1: Yeah. So when, so for example, if I, so first off, usually what I do, and this is actually a tip that I learned from grad school, uh, I had a research fellowship. If there's a way that you can do what's called Boolean searching, and you can actually go inside of the LinkedIn search bar and put like certain keywords in quotations. And one of the things that I did when I was looking this past time for AE role is in quotations say hiring, and then in all caps and and then say like account executive or something like that. And so now when you, you'll see all the posts of hiring managers are saying hiring McMarket AE or hiring XYZ whatever and then you can comment down below you will first off you know connect with them make sure you're first degree connected and <laughs> then literally and I've seen people do this recently well they'll comment and say hey just sent you a DM uh, you know about this and then you you know you can send them a voice note you can send them a plain text But instead of just saying, like, I'm interested in your role, because that goes without saying, like, show, show why you would be of value to them. Like, so for example, if in their post, they say like, hey, I'm looking for a headhunter or whatever, show like, hey, I saw in your, I saw on your, like, your website that you are now SOC 2 compliant or something like that. That's a signal that they're trying to go up market. They're trying to go to like enterprise and then show like, Hey, there's these fortune 500 companies that I think would be a good fit. And I like have a couple of different people in the persona that I've tagged. Like, let's talk about it. You know, it and it doesn't even have to be necessarily accurate, but you've shown effort. I think that's the key. It's like, just showing effort and being wrong is better than not showing effort at all. So there's been a ton of times where I've been wrong in my hypothesis, but any hiring manager will appreciate you showing effort and then your willingness to learn. Like those are the signals and those are the skills that you want to see. So always think like what everyone else is doing. So even if you're like, oh, like I sent you a DM, I'm interested in your role, like contact me, you're still giving or you're still like, that's still a lot of legwork for the hiring manager. They have to call you. They still have to figure out why you're interested in the role. Like, But you can take that legwork away by showing them why you're interested, the potential that you can give to that company with just 5% more effort.
0: Love it. I think an important thing to remember is that the recruiter, headhunter, they don't necessarily have like I need to hire this particular person they want to hire the best fit for the job and if you make it easier for them to see that you're the best fit for the job you're going to have a much higher chance of getting that job you know so like yep. they're not i know it's like sounds kind of weird to say but it's not like they're against you in any way it's just like if you're one of thousands it's hard to stand out but if you can show them and make their job as easy as possible like i'm looking for somebody who checks these boxes and has these characteristics and if you show them you have those characteristics. In a way that's a lot clearer to see than any of the other applicants you're going to really increase your chances so i love that you shared that okay so you found some companies you did those bullion searches you've connected with some of the headhunters left comments and sent like insightful dms about why you're actually interested showing that you're putting in some effort Um, do you connect with anyone else at the company do you ask for a referral what else goes on in that process
1: yeah absolutely so if i if i don't hear back from the hiring manager like Probably with forty eight hours, I'm. Well, if it's on LinkedIn, I can't tell you the amount of times that I've gotten a a reply after just see it, sending a gift with like no other, no other words. Like just uh, there's this popular gift of a guy that's just like sitting like on a porch bench, kind of just waiting there, and I've sent that gift so many times and then people think it's funny they respond things like that so get creative in your bumps that was the first thing i would say if you still haven't heard back from them you could either one try to find their phone number their personal number and leave a voicemail so um uh, white pages or true people search those are like free um, contact databases that i've used if that doesn't work then i start um like threading out to different people in the company. So, and it doesn't have to be in sales in particular, it could be, so you could, like, if you wanna be an AE and you find an AE for that company, uh, that, go ahead and reach out to them and say like, hey, um, have an idea for your hiring manager, you know, wanna hear his thoughts kind of thing. If that doesn't work, then I would start going outside of the department, marketing, product, whoever, just start trying to tie it into like what's in it for them and how they can like like what's gonna how is this gonna make their job easier
0: how big of an impact do you think having a strong personal brand on linkedin has had on your job search
1: let's put it this way um the v- the svp of revenue at denim social reached out to me specifically because of a post that i made afterwards the senior product manager at Matheson DM'd me saying that the VP of sales wanted to speak to me immediately after a post that I shared. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that like there's a lot of, pe- there's still, I think, what, only like 1% of people are posting on LinkedIn that are active users. There's a lot of lurkers out there. So a lot of hiring managers that are all LinkedIn, they're, they're reading these posts. They're keeping an eye out as it's a big signal for to you to be authentic on a platform like LinkedIn and social media. That's a big signal to show like that's a part of who you are and people are attracted by that. So I, I say all the time, a lot of people, what they do is, you know, right after getting laid off or right after leaving a the company, they'll make the announcement on LinkedIn. They get a ton of engagement. And it's all good. They'll probably get a group of referrals, things like that. The problem is, is once that kind of your 15 minutes of fame, like runs out and maybe some of those referrals run out, it's like, then what? So like, continue to post about your job experience. I can't like both of those instances. I said, I got referrals to the jobs that I actually got. It was, it wasn't like the initial, like, I get laid off post. It was the post like that I kept iterating about my job experience, giving tips to other job seekers from like things that I'm finding out, um, mental health tips, anything to like just stay top of mind if saying like, Hey, I'm still available, but without saying it like directly, like, Hey, I'm still available. Like people are going to like keep you top of mind. They'll keep giving you referrals you know, you'll, you'll have a lucky opportunity where, you know, a, a VP will hit you up. Like it's going to happen. You just have to like keep, stay consistent with the posting.
0: Yeah. And I, I do want to provide another perspective there too, because, um, maybe you're looking for a role and you haven't been laid off. Maybe you are not as public. Right, that's research. true. Search. That's another real application. Or maybe you're just trying to make sure that whenever it comes time to look for a new job in the future, you'll be in a good spot. So I'd say just generally posting consistently on LinkedIn and building your personal brand has so many practical benefits. So even if you're not posting about your job search, if you're posting about what you're learning or other interests of yours, like having some sort of a consistent track record of showing up and sharing valuable content, that effectively replaces a resume, right? And this is another case where it helps the hiring manager. If they have two candidates who on their resume are similarly qualified, but one of them has um, a year of consistent posting and sharing ideas and information you can see their growth and their willingness to show up and the other person has a completely blank profile it's going to be a little bit easier to make the argument for the person they have more information about so i'd say even if you aren't able to share publicly that you are searching for a job as i know happens sometimes if you're in a situation that maybe isn't so great still show up and post because that will go a long way into helping you land a new role like i know for me personally it made a really big difference and Like the last three job hunts I've done, so definitely. Right,
1: and the other thing too is I can't. I want to preface that I'm happy at Matheson and and I'm not currently looking, but I will uh, say there's a lot of hiring managers that are trying to poach too. So even if you're not saying like, "Hey, I'm available," whatever, like people have people do come to you even if they see that you're with the company right now and saying like, "Hey." You know, not sure, you know, if you're looking or whatever, but you might have this position open and really love your content, yada, yada, yada. So I think to your point, like if you, even if you're um, like, if you can't go public with it about, you know, not being happy where you are and stuff like that, continue to post and be like a thought leader, like people kind of like what I was alluding to before, people gravitate towards that and they want you to be on the team. They want you to be on their team. They might try to poach you, you know, even if you're not a free agent, so.
0: Yeah, I'd say like only good things can come of showing up and consistently posting. Plus you meet so many people, like, you right. never know what kind of doors that's gonna open, so. Um, all right, so we have found some roles we're interested in. We've reached out to the hiring manager Uh, We've reached out to some other people in the company. They call you back and they say, yes, we want to go ahead and interview. How do you make sure you show up to that interview and continue setting yourself apart from everybody else who goes through this process?
1: Yeah, I don't know if you want to pull up that one gong screenshot that I showed, but the number one tip that I usually have for people who are interviewing is to get really crisp on sharing your stories you want to have i would say probably three solid stories of having to deal with some form of adversity in a workplace so in the context of sdrae a a lot of that's going to probably deal with some type of handling of an objection or having a deal be stalled or what happens when you get ghosted anything along those lines i feel like every seller has experienced those type of um, adversities share that story share like why it was a problem share the solution that you had for it share the result that came with it and the lesson that you learned to you know prevent the odds of it happening again that's what hiring managers that's what vpo sales leaders really want to see they in in to this screenshot that you're seeing here like more people are going to remember those stories they're remembering you sharing I had 120% quota attainment, you know, quarter over quarter. While that's great, again, if we have like you know 6,500 applicants and they're interviewing probably a handful of those, it's fair to assume that those people are hitting quota too, right? So, how else are you going to be able to dif- differentiate? You have to be able to share stories, have great communication skills, because. Some t- that is really going to differentiate yourself as an AE. Sydney, I know you can probably attest to this. Being able to be concise, being able to be a good listener, being able to share a narrative and share like impact, emotion, those kind of things is mm-hmm. very, very key to people being interested, people continuing inside of a deal, those kind of things. So that's why I believe hiring managers want to see. This gong statistic, I feel like, supports it that stories are better than statistics. So that's I think the number one tip that I I would say for, you know, aspiring SDRs and AI's.
0: What if somebody doesn't know what story they want to tell or wants to get better at telling it concisely? What are some strategies you'd use to approach that?
1: Yeah, the framework that I use, and it's kind of stealing from if you're a fan. I know I referenced Disney earlier. If you're a fan fan of Disney, not sure if you are or not. But anyway, Pixar actually has this like story selling framework that's super popular now. And it's somewhere along the lines of like, um, once upon a time, there was this. And then one day, this happened. Because of this, this happened. And then because of this, this happened. And then until finally, this thing happened. And because of that, you know, so on and so forth. So it seems silly, but I mean, this is like a multi-billion dollar company now. So, you know, how silly actually is it? And then also, um, but to make it a little even more concise with that, the framework that I would say is problem, solution, result, and then lesson learned. So those four things. So what, what was the problem? Well, actually, even before the problem, what was the situation? So time, place, people involved, start there. And then what was the problem? What was the solution to that problem? What was the result of it? And then what was the lesson that you learned? I think those five things, if you have that inside of a story, now I will say you have the practices because maybe other people are natural storytellers. I'm not. I definitely had to practice like having that framework and really making sure my pace is good making sure i'm not you know because we get excited making sure that you're slowing down you're being very concise i think that is going to be key like having those five steps if you have those five steps to a story you're going to be set yeah star framework you can that's basically the same thing
0: love it and i just want to say if you want practice and another way it'll help you that makes for a great linkedin post as well so you know like exactly yeah you- it's a virtuous cycle post more, learn how to tell better stories. Like it gets ingrained in you and you learn how to share those stories in your interviews better. So, uh, we have someone asking you to repeat that. So just, you said situation.
1: Yeah. Um, So I would say, yeah, the situation. So what was the time of play? What was the time, the place who else was involved in this story? Right? So situation, the problem at hand, so situation, problem. The solution result and then lesson learned thanks chris
0: yeah i was trying to type it and then i accidentally press enter so now we just have a, a weird jumble but yes perfect thank you for sharing that again um i, I see we have some questions so i want to jump into those in just a moment but one more thing i want to chat about is kind of like the rest of the process so what is your interview follow-up process what other things do you do to add value between interviews like to make sure you stay top of mind so let's say you got into the stage, you nailed the interview, you told their story, it resonated, they want you to come back for the next one, or you're not sure if they do, like how do you follow that?
1: So one of the biggest, well, two of the biggest skills that you need as a seller, an AE, SDR is active listening and empathy. So you have to show that you listen when during the interview. And the best way to do this, so for example. If you're in the interview and they're saying that they're launching a product and or they're launching a new product feature next month, it would be awesome if you could share like how this is going to impact as far as like a cross sell upsell. So a good thing that you could show is maybe like some type of framework, like, um, to an existing client and sharing that with the customer success team. So that you, that could be like threefold honestly that one shows that you're a team player and you're focused on the entirety of the company it shows that you have a good understanding of problem solving and you're an active listener so um it doesn't always have to be directed on you know how how can i show that i'm great and all that stuff you can all you can always make other people look great and honestly i would say that's even better So really make sure you're paying attention to one, what the hiring manager is saying and then the implications of what he's saying. So like kind of the why behind the why, you know, like, well, why are they launching this product? Well, they're probably launching this product to either get cross-sell opportunities with existing clients or be more attractive to new clients. Both of those things impact AEs, right? So you want to make sure that you're aligned with where their strategy is. So I would say that's probably the thing that I do with um, my follow-ups the most is really make sure, you know, that I'm writing notes, the key points, the key strategies that the current company's doing. Now, this isn't scalable, by the way. Like, you're not going to be able to just say like, here's this and then send it all, you know, as a follow-up to 15 companies, which is why I say don't easy apply because that's, it's just it's easier, but you're not going to stand out. So if the key, if the goal is to stand out, it's going to take extra work. Like this takes a lot of your time, but at the same time, well, this is speaking as if you're, if you don't have a current job, but if you are open to the market, and you don't have a current job. It's kind of like, this is your job now. Like you have the time, right? Like you have, you know, hours in your day to put, put in this work. So Why not go ahead and give it your all?
0: Yeah, I appreciate you making that note. If you're listening, you might be thinking like, wow, that sounds like a ton of work. And it it is, but it's also well worth it. And you're much, much, much more likely to have some sort of reward from that work than just randomly applying. So um, we're down to our last few minutes, unfortunately. So I want to jump into some questions. Um, Actually, Steve just asked. How do you answer salary expectations, like using Glassdoor and RepView? And I know this is something you talk about and I know it's <laughs> for a lot of people. So yeah. what is your game plan? You're, we're sitting down and I'm like, all right, Brandon, fantastic. Would like to hire you. What are your salary expectations?
1: Well, first off, first thing you need to do, cause I know there's a lot of people that live, um, in either coast, so if your headquarters is, or if the company's headquarters is in either California, I know Colorado as well, and then New York just made this a law, is there legally required if they have, I think, 15 employees or more to show a pay range on their job description. So if you live in those states, make sure that the job or the job post has the salary range, because that is a game changer, because that gives you way more leverage than going in not knowing the pay range. Because if you don't know the pay range and then they ask you your salary expectations, you're in a pickle because you really now have to show your card and you don't want to be in that situation. So even, but let's think worst case scenario, right? So you were you are in that situation. Now, this is from my experience when because this has happened So when I was interviewing, this happened four times for me, four out of four times, they, they showed their pay range They showed their hand before I did. So they'll ask like, Hey, what are your salary expectations? I say, Hey, happy to share my salary expectations, but first I would like to hear what the company's salary range is for this type of rule, just to make sure that we're aligned as far as, um, value and, um, company expectations. So saying it, you don't have to say that verbatim, but I said uh, that happened four times to me in the past interview. All the hiring managers were happy to oblige. I'm not saying that you could have a stingy hiring manager that doesn't want to show their card. If, if that happens, just give, just give a, but I still would say give a range though. Don't say, I wouldn't say, say like $75,000. I would say, I would still say seventy five to $85,000 depending on the, the amount of like, or depending on the situation of the company. Yep. So, because that gives you a little bit more leverage to continue in the interview process. And as you learn more information, then you can like, you can start to negotiate a little bit more.
0: Yeah, love that. And I see, I saw Steve mentioned as well that OTE can't always be trusted because a lot of people aren't hitting quota. So that's where- Oh, like, facts. Yeah, so like be sure to, that's another thing, like not just chasing the shiny OTEs like, oh, that looks amazing. Um, can you ask in the process, what how many people are hitting quota? Is that something you do?
1: Oh, absolutely. The other thing I would say too is as as a seller, so an S C R A E, I never negotiate O T E, because it like you want to negotiate like um, what's the word, uh, fixed variable like salary. Like you want to negotiate the base, because that's like that's fixed income like coming into your bank. O T E is like it's almost the equivalent of like a company valuation, right? It's just like it's future pacing, and it's like uh, kind of like dream state, like best case scenario, right? But yeah. we all know the market's volatile. Sales is volatile. We don't want to base like negotiations off that. So I would always say, you know, yeah, definitely check out rep view, look at OTEs, but always negotiate base, and then at the base, I would start negotiating benefits, continue to add stuff, four hundred one k, stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, 401K, stock all that stuff. All that stuff before OTE. OTE is like your last resort to negotiate.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I hate to cut you off there. We're just about at time. I want to ask you one more quick question. A few people yeah. have asked yes or no to the Open to Work banner. They've seen some people say oh recently that it turns this hiring thing. managers off. Like, what do you think? Yes or no?
1: So I actually responded to Ryan Walsh because he uh, he's the CEO of RevView. He had a post about this today. I actually A-B tested it. Um, when I was job searching, um, today and I didn't see a difference as far as referrals go from having it to not having it. But also that's just anecdotal for me. Mm -hmm. I there, to be honest, I don't know. I think use your best judgment. I personally probably would just leave it off, but I don't know. I really don't. I don't want to leave people astray.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. No, that, that that makes perfect sense. Unfortunately, we have come to the end of our time today. Um, Brandon, where can everybody find you?
1: Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, and yeah, I'm the CRE over at Matheson. Um, and we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion. So if that's something that you or your team are interested in, you can always set me up. Even if it's not Matheson related, you can always ask me questions about DEI stuff.
0: Fantastic. Everyone go give Brandon a follow. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck in your job hunts. Be sure to check us out at sellbetter.xyz or our Instagram, YouTube, or TikTok. We share great sales content every single day to help you level up your game. And yeah, happy hunting. Hope you have a great one.